0: Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. It's all taken care of. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to Psalm Chapter 127, we are in a standalone message, uh, being that it's Father's Day. We're getting ready to walk into another uh, collection of talks titled Spheres, which is our spheres of influence, different spheres of influence that we're going to walk in. But right now, we're going to talk about uh, being a dad. And I believe that this can apply to every single person in this house. It's not just for men. But men, I encourage you, we have a mandate and a calling to lead the family and to lead it well. And I think the fact that you're sitting in this church church on a Father's Day is a critical element to uh, leading a family well. We don't just come to church because uh, it's what we do to check a box. We come to church because we believe in life transformation happens when we gather together. It's not about checking a box and going, I did church this Sunday. It's about getting around other like-minded people and lifting up the name of Jesus on your borrowed breath from God on your borrowed breath from God, and leading a family so life transformation can take place. And I really, truly believe it. So hopefully you're at uh, Psalms 127 by now, verses 3 through 5. It'll also be on your screens. Let's give it up for our Facebook family. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Let's give it up for our Facebook fam. I'm sure Pastor Bob and Claudia, they are probably uh, watching uh, in in some other part of the woods. They're going to be here next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. But uh, Psalm 127, a little bit of background for our text. Uh, This psalm was actually chanted or sung during the pilgrimage back to Jerusalem uh, during the three feast days, Passover, Pentecost, atonement. This, this psalm was sung. And what was happening was these the, the, the families that would do this, it was actually they would go back as a family. So can you picture that? You're on a dirt road, you're walking back to the city of your origin, and you are caravanning, so to speak. And as you're caravanning, you're chanting as loud as you can some of these psalms. And uh, this was actually, this psalm chapter 127 and 128, it's really cool because there the, the, you can see the family portrait really coming to take place, you can see the foundation being laid, and then from the foundation, you can see the expansion of of children being uh, launched into the family, and then you see them grow up, and then you see them as they are. Uh, as they are older in age in a grown family. You know, we have different different ages and phases of a family. And you sometimes you have little children. Then they grow up to be bigger children. And that's kind of the way the family dynamic rolls. And so that's what we're going to read here in Psalm chapter 127. It says, uh, verses 3 through 5. It says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him, like arrows in the hand of a wo- in the hands of warriors, of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. That means kids are a blessing; they aren't a burden. Amen. Yeah. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the opponent, with their opponents in court. That just means you have some more people in your army to take care and to back you up today. Uh, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes because note takers are. History makers. Uh, The title of my message today is "The Measure of a Man." The measure of a man. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you created men and women in your image. And so, God, we are we are supposed to emulate who you are. And God, I pray right now on this Father's Day Sunday that this is rich in uh, your love. So I pray that ears can be attentive, hearts can be open for what you're going to do in this atmosphere today. God, I come with great expectation. For what you're gonna do. We love you in your name. Everyone said? Yeah. Everyone said? Yeah. Come on, if you love Jesus, make some noise. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was like a golf clap. It was like boom and then stop. That was amazing. You guys are awesome. Well, uh, it's Father's Day and I love being a dad. And I wanna first and foremost say, uh, babe, thank you so much for allowing me to be a father. You are the greatest blessing. And without you, I don't have the gift. Of being a dad and I have two little kids and I figured I I always talk about them and I but I wanted to put some recent pictures up Uh, Kennedy just got out of school this uh, or the week before last Friday a week ago Friday was her um, was her last day of school and then Carter's last day was on Friday or Thursday and these are both uh, really recent pictures and I look at those pictures and I look that I'm probably gonna need to get a gun Uh, Because that little girl is really beautiful. Uh, Let's just be honest. Um, It's okay. And then, or her bigger brother will just have to take care of him or her because that's just who he is. But I, I just love my kids. I love being a dad. And there are times where I get it right. And then there are times where I get it wrong. Everyone say amen. Come on. I mean, how, how do you get some things right when you parent and some things wrong? Well, um, I have, I get. I, every once in a while, I get some things right. And this is, um, I had to pry it from their hands this morning. Uh, this is Ellie. Ellie has been with Carter since he was, what, two, 18 months? Uh, it was given to to him by uh, one of the people that watched him in Washington. And it never left his side. He's been... This Ellie has been to Houston, it's been to Montana, it's been to Mexico, it's international people. This thing goes everywhere, Carter, goes for a point in time. Now he's talking about Pusheens and Rilakumas and all that other stuff. Anyways, and then you have this. This is, is Kennedy's since birth. She had this, it's, can you hear the rattle? Like, and she sleeps with it even now, to date. She, she loves this thing, and um, this little elephant, this, and, and that's what's amazing about this is our kids, they latch on to things, don't they? And um, there was a time where uh, Carter was going to sleep, and um, as he was going to sleep, uh, I noticed Emmy wasn't around. It was a Sunday night, and this is when we first moved here. I noticed Emmy wasn't around, or Ellie wasn't around, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. Ellie's not around. And you know, as parents, you don't mention what is not there. Like when Ellie's not there, you don't go, oh, well, where's Ellie, Carter? Because then all of a sudden he's like, I need Ellie. So I didn't mention it. I kind of pulled back and I kind of like bypassed it with Katie. I was like, Katie, don't say anything. And we like went away and we went and sat on the couch. And Carter went to sleep without a problem. Praise God. 10 p.m. rolls around and he wakes up to use the bathroom and he comes out and he goes, where's Ellie. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, it's 10 p.m. Ellie's nowhere to be found in the house. We had church today. What am I going to do? So what do I do? Being a good dad that I am, I get in the car at 10 p.m., and I drive to the darkness of this building, and I go into the kids' rooms, and I'm pulling everything apart. I'm ripping everything out. I'm going and searching into into corners and crevices. I know what Katie's experiencing at home, a tearful Carter, like, you know, doing that whole thing, the ugly cry, so to speak, and I know she's in it. And so I'm like, I gotta hurry. And so I find, like, literally, I find Ellie, and I come running, or I don't run home, I probably could have with the adrenaline I had going through my veins, but I drive home, and I pull into the driveway, and I come in, and I'm like the super dad. I'm like, look at what I found, and he's like, Ellie, I love it, and then he goes right back to sleep. You you see, kids, that was a time where I was a good dad, and I was proud of being a dad. I was like, I found Ellie. What do you need? Come on, world. Come on, devil. You got nothing on me. I can find Ellie. Come on, but then there are times where I've missed the mark. Um, there was this time, again, when we first moved here. Uh, obviously, we were doing a lot when we first moved here. We're still doing a lot. But when we first moved here, uh, I was working here in the church, and I'm working really hard, and I'm pushing through, and I'm going. And, and it was Katie informed me that she had an appointment. And she says, I have an appointment. And since I have that appointment, what I need you to do, uh, babe, is I need you to go get Uh, Carter or or go get Carter at school. He was at lowest pen. Uh, I was when he was in preschool or kindergarten. So he says, you need to go get Carter. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I got to get Carter. I got to get Carter. Okay. Today's the day to get Carter. I'm going to get Carter. And I'm got into a task at work. I went in, I was here, I was focused. I was just going for it. And you'd probably see where I'm going here and I'm focused and I'm ready and I'm doing it and I'm excelling in my task. And then the phone rings. And the phone rings, and it is my bride. And my bride says, Hey, do you have Carter? And I go, mm. I don't want to say it out loud, but I'm like, mm. I'm on my way. You know, you want to say it like you're in action? You're, you're, the, you're the type of people that say, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way when you're still in, like, you still haven't even changed. You know, I mean, like, you haven't even left the house. You're like, almost there. And I'm like, Ooh, and I don't want to lie. No, I don't have Carter. She goes, babe, you were supposed to pick him up 30 minutes ago and his school is 20 minutes from the church. You are gonna be so late. And I was like, well, I'll go get him now. I'll drop everything, I'll go. And she goes, no, I'm closer. I'll just pick him up. And I, as a dad, felt the worst because what did I do? I forgot my son at school. Thank God he was at school and it wasn't some random place, but I forgot my son at school. And so the moment I saw Carter, what did I do? I was like, I'll buy you anything. I felt like just the worst dad in that moment. Don't have, have you ever had experiences like that? Dads, moms, people, where you feel like you're great at times and you could conquer the world. I found Ellie. And then I have times where I'm like, Oh, I'm just the worst. You know, like that's that's what I love about experiences is that it's a part of our life and it molds and shapes us to make us a better human being. Like although that going and getting an elephant in the middle of the night wasn't a big deal, it made a difference to my son. Although that when I forgot to get my son, I've never forgot to get him since because of my experience, because of what's gone on in my heart, in my soul, in my mind. And I just think that, that, that this Psalm 127, as I look back on this, I think of the, the idea that my kids are a heritage. Our kids are a legacy. They are not burdens, but they are blessings. And I think a lot of times as men, and I'm just going to speak to the men that we, th- for for this moment, you, ladies, you can take this too, but men, at, for for whatever reason, I think sometimes personally, we can look at them as, as Burdens when really they're a blessing. They're an offspring. They're a heritage. That's the legacy of our future. That's the legacy of who we are as men. And what we do is we sometimes go and we want to go do other things. We want to go and be absent, but we need to be present because our legacy doesn't start when you choose. Our legacy starts right now. Oh, I got real quiet. Our legacy starts right now. We as men and we as followers and just as people, you can't wait. You know, people are always wanting to do the the quick thing. Oh, I want to get, I want to get skinny quick. So I'm going to go do the fast. I'm going to find that thing that's on Facebook that you go and you drink and it makes fat cells disappear in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, like we want, we want to get rich quick. We want to do things fast. We want to do things expedited, but you know what? Your legacy begins when you choose to let it begin. When you say, I'm not going to have it anymore in this family, we're going to go forward. Right? And I think a lot of us, we wait, we wait for moments We wait for time in order for us to then, oh, now we got to do it. Oh, when my kids are in high school, then I will start going to church. When my kids are in high school, then I will go and do a Bible study with them. I read my Bible where it says, train up the child in the ways of the Lord and they will not depart from it." it. It says train. So that means model. When I go to the gym and I hire a personal trainer, they show me what to do. They don't just tell me what to do. They show me what to do so that I can get physically fit. And I think us as fathers, us as parents, we go, oh, train up the child in the way of the Lord, and they will not depart from it. And then we expect to do it on Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday doesn't matter. But our legacy starts when we decide this is the day that I'm going to make it start. We can't wait for tomorrow. You can't wait for what's to come. You got to start right now. You got to start right now. And King David, I was reading, um, this is why it's important to do daily devotions, uh, a verse the day keeps the devil away, sometimes I like to say. But I was re- reading my daily devotions, and I read it always coupled with something. And as I was reading my devotions this week, I read actually uh, that King David is mentioned in Kings and, Chron- Kings and Chronicles, both of those books. And that is because of his legacy, it's because of who he is. It's because of how he lived. It's because of the, how he loved God passionately. He worshiped fervently. And the glow of his life remained through what? Generations. Because of what he did in that moment. Right? Right? He didn't wait and say, oh, well, my kids are grown. Then I'm going to establish my legacy. He said, I'm going to begin it now. I'm going to worship in front of the Lord. I'm going to dance in front of God. I'm going to keep my hands up. Because what he did was he modeled what the rest of the generation needed to follow. And not everyone will follow it. I hate to say. (laughs) Not everyone will follow it. But what you have to do is you have to set yourself up to model that. So what do you want your legacy to be? Let me ask that question. What do you want your legacy to be? And how can you solidify your legacy, and really as fathers, but as people? How can you solidify that legacy, your own legacy, your personal legacy? And what I've done is I've actually did something my father would always do. My father would break down something into an acronym, you know, like team, together, everyone achieves more. You know, he, had, he would always give me these little acronyms so I could think and I could remember. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you, Write this acronym down. It's for the word father. This is something that everyone can apply. This isn't just for dads, but this is for everybody. And so F is faithful. Anyone can be a father. But a faithful father is one that requires effort. It's one that requires intentionality. It requires wisdom. It requires prayer. It requires effort towards being there in the good times and the bad times. And that just doesn't talk about being a father, that's talked about in life, that you need to be there in the good times when everything's good, and you need to be there in the bad times when everything's struggling, for your kids, but also for your spouse, for your uh, family when when times are going, when you're going through, it. when there's a death in the family, guess what, you need to be there, you need to be faithful, you need to be with them, you need to be constant, you need to be faithful people. And I think that faithfulness has been a lost art in our world, honestly it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because, uh, we want to, 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 we're just so we're, we're just people that like to quit. And I don't like that. And in my family, my legacy is not going to be quitters. It's going to be faithful people because the fact of the matter is, is that everyone can quit. Everyone can quit. Think about how many times you've quit something. I mean, I, I've quit a million diets. I've quit a million workout plans. I've quit uh, a million other things. They're good quits. You know, like it's good. It'd be good to quit smoking. You know, like that's a good thing. You know, that's a health thing. That's a good thing. Uh, it, it's good to, to stop drinking alcohol. It's good. Those things are good for you. Just your health. Okay. There's a good quit, but also there's, there, there, there's a bad quit. It's when you quit things that you intentionally just start that will make you better. It's when you want to go, when you don't want to go to that connect group on week six. You know, honestly, let's just take the mask off. Let's be real. It's when you don't want to go to the connect group on week six because you're tired and your feet hurt, but you don't know being faithful could be the evidence to your breakthrough in that week six. Who knows what you're missing when you are standing there in week six and you hear what you need to hear so that your breakthrough can come. I think oftentimes our faithfulness lacks because, because we don't think it matters. We don't think us showing up matters. Tell me about my son when I show up every time to his soccer practice. He is so happy I'm there. Why? Because I show up faithfully. I'm faithful. I'm with it. I don't quit. I continue with it. He might not always get it. He might not always understand it, but I'm faithful. And he knows when I'm not there, I would love to be there. We got to be faithful people. Faithful people. Anyone can start, but not everyone can finish. Everyone, anyone can start. Oh, I'm going to start tomorrow. That's everyone too. I'm going to start tomorrow. Start today. Let your legacy begin today. Start today. And all it takes is you doing it. Honestly, it's just you actually applying yourself and doing it. And as fathers, we have a legacy that's in front of us and we have to start it. We have to do it. We have to be faithful to our word. That's a big thing in our culture. When you say you're going to be somewhere, shouldn't you just be there? I I grew up in the day and age where you didn't have cell phones. Uh, You know, yeah, I'm old. Okay, call whatever. Um, I've just embraced aging, you know. And we didn't have cell phones, and so you know what? On a date, I would call the girl. Hey, you're going to meet me at 7 p.m. right at the movie theater. Yeah, I'm going to be there. Okay, we're seeing whatever. Okay, and then I would leave and I'd hang up the phone. And I'd go over to the movie theater. And at 7 p.m., what would I do? Wait. wait. I would wait outside because I was a person of my word. And somebody that actually was going to follow through showed up to me on time. And they were a person of their word. That's a lost art. We have to be people of our word that when we say we're going to be there, we're there. Right? Because we need to be, we want to we see a generation change. But we have to be the ones that will do it personally. Personally, that will do it. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty says this: A faithful person will be richly blessed. That's not financial. Let's let's just take that off. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor. Everyone goes, oh, finances. No, let's take that off the table. A faithful person will be richly blessed. That means showing up. That means being active. That means doing it. That means being engaged. That means being constant. A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to rich or to get rich will not go unpunished. So. We need to be faithful. Everyone say faithful. Faithful. All right. A action. We need to live with action and intention in all that we do. Action and intention as fathers, but people we need to be action oriented, not just doing stuff to do stuff, but doing stuff with a goal in mind because it's easy just to do stuff to do stuff, but it's, it's a lot more impactful when we have intention and intentionality with how we do it. And, uh, I think that we need to live our life um, not with memories. I think that, oh, I want to give my kids great memories. No, I want to give my kids great encounters. I want to give my kids the idea that they're having an encounter, that when we go do something, that they're having an encounter, that it's special. It's not just going, oh, that was good. No, I want to make the memories by giving them encounters. And my dad was a type of dad that was very intentional. And um, he was very, very intentional. I have a picture of my dad. Let's put it up there. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have, saw, have seen my dad before, but uh, my dad would give us encounters. And the reason I chose this, I literally was going through a bunch of pictures I had at home and here at the church trying to find that one specific picture because my dad, uh, my dad was intentional and he loved the game of golf. And my dad was intentional and loved the game of golf. Why? Because where else can you get five hours? Because realize I grew up in the no cell phone era. Uh, that where on God's green earth can you find five hours with your sons and to have conversation and be intentional and enjoy what you're doing? So my dad would go and he would, he would put us in these golf carts or we'd carry our bag from time to time. But he was intentional about me sitting in the cart with him. And guess what he was doing the whole time? Having conversation. He was being action oriented. Hey, son, you know, let me, let's talk about Jesus for a moment. Let's talk about your, your, your mental toughness. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, your anger, because on a golf course, frankly, you have a lot of anger. Let's just be real honest and true, okay? I mean, he would talk about anger. He'd talk about sex. He'd talk about women. He'd talk about my mind. He'd talk about temptation. Why? Because he was being action-oriented, because he knew the legacy that he had was in front of him. And you know what? That will impact Carter's generation and Kennedy's generation because my dad took the time for five hours to do what he enjoyed so that he could go and he could put poor legacy and poor values and poor integrity and poor love and poor intentionality and poor all of those things so that I would go and I'd grow up to be a man that he would be proud to be because all I did was model his behavior. I just modeled what he did. Because he's action-oriented. And and I think that when we are action-oriented, we can understand who Jesus is more. I think being action-oriented allows Jesus to really come to life in our own circumstance. Because we're not living a life quiet anymore. We're not standing back here and, and waiting for change to take place. we have a part in the story. Because if I just wait for my kids to be raised, guess what? I didn't have a part of their story. I need to have a part of their story. And God has blessed me with them. God has blessed you with those kids. And guess what? You're a part of their story. There are gifts from heaven. I learned how to love, I learned how God loves me by the way I, I, when Carter was born, I was just like, I get it. I get it, God, why you love me. I lo- uh, and God is an action-oriented God. What did he do out of love? He sent his son, action, to die on the cross for our sin, action, so that we could have eternal life, action. He's an action-oriented type of God. And that's the way we need to live, action and intention. All right, here we go. Are you still with me? Yeah. Just checking. I want to make sure uh, you're not thinking about lunch or watching the U.S. Open or whatever. Anyways, uh, T, teacher, everyone say teacher. So father or faithful action teacher life is full of lessons. (laughs) Some good and some bad, right? Tons of lessons as fathers or adults. We need to be on the lookout for teachable lessons to mold and shape those around us. Uh, This last week uh, was Carter's, like I said, Carter's last week of school. And it was the second to last day of school. And Carter gets a little excited. He's a little pumped up that school's out. I mean, do you remember those days? oh man, I miss summer vacation. Anyone else miss summer vacation? Oh man, I just wish I could have a three, you know, two-month time. Heck, I'll take a two-week time just to go and do whatever. Anyways, uh, but he was, it was, it's two days away, uh, the second to last day of school, and Carter has this friend named Jacob, and Carter's fired up about Jacob. He's just... We're going to be best friends. We love, we, we love hanging out. He gets, he, they just, they kind of like get going. And what ends up happening is it kind of drives us crazy because Carter gets kind of obsessive. Mommy, did you plan the play date with Jacob's mommy? Mommy, have you done this? Have you? I mean, like he's like dictating our schedules to us about car about Jacob. Well, he kind of, him and Jacob um, had kind of a run in the second to last day of school. And as he's there, uh, Carter was getting a little fired up with Jacob and talking to Jacob, not like in a negative way, but kind of annoying Jacob. And Jacob got kind of annoyed with him. And he said, Carter, I need some space. Carter, I need some space. I need you to give me some space. And what does Carter do? He kind of antagonized them a little bit more. I'm not proud of it. um, But what ended up happening was uh, there was an incident there. And then right before they were on the lineup to go out and Carter, Carter's body got a little out of control and Carter threw his head back and head butted Jacob's nose, right? You know, like one of those things that makes your, your eyes go white. And it was just a bad situation. Jacob returned some anger uh, back to Carter and which happened. And so what happened there was that was, and, and we we got a text message and we got some just notification that that wasn't good. And so what did I do? I said, uh, let's just sweep this under the mat, right? No, it's a teachable lesson. And we all have moments in life that are teachable. So what did I do? I sat Carter down at the kitchen table or the kitchen counter, and I said, sit on that chair. I want both cheeks on the chair, and I want you to look at me. And I said, son, today, I'm not angry, but today it was not acceptable. Why? Because You did the wrong thing. Someone told you to stop and you kept going. You pushed the on. See, that's what we need to do as people. We need to recognize the teachable moments. What is God trying to instruct us and get through our thick skull so that we can learn to be better people? I've heard it said like this. We can learn one thing 50 times or we can learn 50 different things one time. What has God been trying to teach you for years and years and years, but your thick skull cannot comprehend it? You're like, what are you teaching me? God? You're like, we're, And we're learning the same thing over and over and over, over. And we're repeating this cycle. And that's why it's important to listen to Katie's message about renewing your mind. Because half the time, the reason why we're still in that battle and we're hard-headed is because we haven't renewed our mind. Because we've stayed stuck in the same place. You can't change a problem with the same mind that created it. So what you have to do is you have to change your mind, change your thinking, change your perspective, and realize that God is trying to teach you something. We're always trying to teach other people stuff. Oh, I'm going to teach him. You know I mean? Like, honestly. But we have to be people that are, teach, that are teachable. The be- greatest players that I would ever coach as a football coach were people that were willing to be teachable. Have you ever been around an unteachable person? (laughs) It's like like you try to tell them, hey, improve here. And they're like, they don't want to hear it. And obviously there's a a space and a place. I've seen some of the most talented individuals. God has given them some of the most gifted skill that could go and play division one, that could go to the NFL or the NBA, but they were not teachable and it kept them in the same spot. And it actually put them going backwards. We have teachable moments every day of our life. Look at the life of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He brought the disciples into his space. He taught them. Jesus connected them to God. He brought them into his space. Jesus let them fail. I mean, I think Peter failed pretty miserably. Denying him, cutting ears off. I mean, it's just weird. Failing, but Jesus allowed him to fail because what did Jesus say about Peter? On this rock, I will build my church. So Jesus taught him, but also he did something else. Not only taught, caught, or uh, he not only allowed him to fail, but he taught him how to live so that the church could thrive even now, right? He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to pray. Jesus did this. He molded, or Jesus modeled how to live. He showed them how to live. Others don't always listen to what we say, but rather they, they, they actually see what we do. I can tell my son to make his bed every day, but if I'm not making my bed every day, there's no discipline there on my part. So I can say, hey, son, you need to shape up. Kennedy, you need to make your bed. Carter's so sweet. I'm just gonna, this is priceless. This is free. Uh, Carter's so sweet that Kennedy one morning, I got in a little trouble for not making her bed. So what has Carter done every every day since then? He makes her bed for her. Okay, talk about a disciplined little boy that wants to take care of his sister, that goes above and beyond, that's not thinking about. My little son that has challenges, he's not really little, but my son that has challenges is willing to go above and beyond for his sister. Because you know what he's doing? He's now modeling what he sees mommy and daddy doing of making a bed, and you know what, that's just something so little, so minute, but it's so profound, because it's showing a level of discipline in our life, it's showing when we sit down every Sunday to pray for you, when you enter these doors, Katie and I sit every Sunday on the edge of our bed, and sometimes it's a lot harder, today we we're in Kennedy's room, I was sitting on the floor, and Katie was in the chair, and we were praying for you, because, and then Kennedy walks in, and they see us on our knees, and they see us praying for our church. Because we're modeling the type of behavior that we want to see our kids have. Friends, what are you modeling that others are actually taking good and bad away? Because people will know you by how you live. When my dad's funeral happened, um, there were thousands of people or a thousand people there. Well, when he he had this funeral or when we had this memorial, they were remembering how he lived. They didn't remember the one opinion that he had. They remembered the life and the legacy that he had instilled in his own life. That's what happens. What is the legacy that is going to be uh, on, your, um, on your tombstone, basically? I don't want to be morbid, but, you know, we got to start thinking that way just in general. We have a legacy that's in front of us. Uh, H, holy. Holy. Everyone say holy. holy. Faithful, action, teacher, and holy. God is the only God that's holy, or God is the only one that can be holy. Okay, let's get that first and straight, but we're called to be more like Jesus. Therefore, we need to be less of ourselves and more like God. So we need to, sh- we, ha- we need to have something to shoot for, right? We need to have something, a dream to shoot for this whole idea of holy. So we look at God and we're like, we want to be like you, but w- we don't want to be you. We want to be like you. So therefore we have a, we have a place where we need to shoot too. I, I mean, think about it. Both men and and women, you, have, you are looking for godly examples uh, in your own lives to emulate and to model. Because we want to see a level of holiness. We, in, we need to have integrity. We need to have, be people of virtue and be people that follow through with how we live. We, there's a sense of holiness. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to take the mask off here. That there are some things in my life that I probably could get rid of in order for me to become more like Jesus. There are attitudes and behaviors that I have in my own life. There are things that I think and the way that I think them that I need to go and I need to get real and honest before God. And I need to say that that action is not holy. That action is not like you, God. That action doesn't please you. It doesn't make you happy. Those times where I'm impatient with my children, and there are a lot of times where I'm impatient with my children. Katie can attest to them. Please don't. Uh, where I need to go and I need to ask for forgiveness. There have been times where I've had to sit down on the floor and ask my daughter, because I hurt her feelings, will you forgive me? Because I need to model to be more like Christ. And when my actions and my don't follow a level of holiness, that's not good. I love what, uh, what it says here in 1 Peter, 15, or 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 in the God's Word translation, if you're wondering what that GW is. It says, because the God who called you is holy, you must be holy in every aspect. Isn't that convicting? It's quiet. In every aspect of your life. Scripture says, be holy because I am holy. Holiness is a process. I think a lot of us think that holiness, we just are there. We arrive at holiness. It's a process. It's like an onion. You know, when you first find Jesus, Maybe you haven't found Jesus yet, but when you first find Jesus, you, you, you have that first level of an onion, and then all of a sudden you peel it back, and you start to peel it back, and you peel it back, and then you realize deep down inside of you, there are things that you really need, you, you, there's every aspect that needs to become more like God. Less like me, more like Him. And, and, and I think that we need to, to, to go and, and unfold this and unfold this idea and not allow our pride or our arrogance to allow for a lack of holiness, because what we do is, isn't it interesting that God says in every aspect, but yet what we do is we hide the aspects that need to be changed over a facade, over a covering. I mean, social media is the greatest thing that, that does this. You know, you, you're, this is, let me, let me give you some freedom. Can I give you some freedom for a moment? Okay. I've got one person that wants some freedom. Hey, Amen. Um, <laughs> social media, let me start there. Social media. What you're doing is you're comparing everyone's highlight reel to your uh, to, to, to your own personal struggles, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm just I'm, I'm asking that question. I'm not, I'm, I'm looking for a response. This is engagement. So why is it that in social media we always are missing the mark? And so what we try to do is we try to put our highlight reel out there, and what we do is we bury and we cover the very things that could give us freedom right? Because we go and we show how great our life, and and, and we take those family portraits, and there's, you know, kids stand stand, and we get that perfect family picture, but what we forget is all of the craziness that went and ensued before, and I think that some of us need to really take the mask off, peel the onion back of the things that are inside of us that are keeping us from being as holy as God wants us, because what we're doing is we're pressing down the very thing that will allow breakthrough, and we wonder why we walk around this life and we're so struggling. We're just so worried. And you know what? Sometimes you need to go have, get some help too. You need to sit down with somebody. You need to take the mask off. I mean, I've gone to counseling. I think it's important. I think it's healthy. You got to talk about things. You got to get things out there because if you can kill the, you kill the power of sin with transparency when you make things honest, when you get bold with it, when you talk about it, I'm not saying you need to advertise it all on Facebook. You don't need to get holy on Facebook. What you need to do is you need to find a trusted person and you need to say what's inside of you and you need to be honest and truthful because if you can mention it, you can manage it with God's help. Not with us, with God's help. So you need to go. And I'm not just saying you, we need to go. It's an us thing. This is us together. That's why connect groups are so important. And it's why it's important because I sat in connect groups where guys are weeping or where couples are weeping because of things that they've walked through. Because of their marriage is on the verge of being done. And we sat in a connect group and we judged them. No, we sat in a connect group and we said, you know what? I've been there too. I've been hurt. I have pain. I have struggle. That All of these things are meant to create a level of holiness in our life. We have to go, and, and if we want to change, we have to accept it, and we have to take responsibility. And guys are horrible at this, honestly, because we're stuck in our ways, you know, stuck in our ways. I was, I, I was horrible for a long time with my eating. And people go, why, why are you um, on keto? You don't need to be on keto. And I told somebody, I said, it's not about being fit or it's not about my diet. It's actually about my discipline. It's denying the very thing that I would really like. And some of us indulge in the very thing that we really like too much or even unhealthy. And I'm not talking about food. <laughs> Let's just get that clear. I'm talking about a lot of other stuff that we indulge in things that are not healthy for us, and thus it allows, it it, it creates a roadblock to holiness. E, encouraging. I know I've kind of been harsh. Now I'm going to be encouraging. We all need encouragement. Our kids crave it, even though they might not get it right all of the time. Um, they still, need to be they, they still need to have cheerleaders in their life. And, and, and this is what I want to say. And this is, this is a free, this is a freebie. Encouragement costs nothing to give, but it's priceless to receive. I mean, think about it. I, I've never heard a child go, oh, my parents, they were just way too encouraging to me. Honestly, have you ever heard that before? I'm, oh, my parents, they just talk, they just were so encouraged. Now, I'm not telling be a helicopter parent, your kid does no wrong. Trust me. You got to allow your kid to fail. Um, you know, like I've had helicopter parents. It's not, not my parents. People that I coach were helicopter parents and their kids did no wrong. And it's just, it's one of those things that, that that's not good. That's not healthy. But we need to be encouraging. We need to be loving. We need to be nurturing. Encouragement costs nothing to give, but it's priceless to receive. And I think that you need to encourage when times are good. And then when times are bad, you say, you know what? We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. I know it. It's time will tell. Be faithful in the moment. We need to be encouraging, encouraging people. And men, I, wanna, I really want to encourage you in this. Stop withholding your words. Your kids are craving it. Oh, they're, they're, they're craving for you to say, I'm proud of you. Honestly, I, I've sat, that's, the, that's the biggest problem when I sit in connect groups with men is that they say, my dad didn't approve of me. And they spend the rest of their life, the rest of their life, trying to either prove something to their father to gain approval, because we're like, oh, I'm gruff and tough. You don't have to tell words. You don't have to tell me I'm good enough. No, your son or daughter needs to hear that, even if they're grown adults. Because we have a society and a generation that's walking around that's so insecure because someone didn't say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. You're going to get through this. And maybe you're not a parent, or you're not a father, or you're not uh, a mother, but you know what? There are people in your sphere of influence that need your words. This week, um, I wrote a devotional. I sent it out. And one of the things was, thank the women in your life. So I didn't go and say, oh, I'm just going to wait on that. What I did was I And Katie was on the text message. I sat down and I wrote a few words to my mother and told her how great she was, told her how I know that it was hard at times to raise me. I know that it was fun at times to raise me, but thank you for being intentional and loving me. Then what did I do? I sent it to Katie's mom too. Not the same thing, that'd be weird. So I sent a completely different thing to my mother-in-law because my mother-in-law, I value. There's a different insight. I love how she loves Jesus and how she follows through on her commitments and she loves her family with reckless abandon. Friends, if I withhold my word, she would have never heard that because that could have been the very thing that day that she needed to push her over the edge, to help her and encourage her. Maybe she was at at the job and she had something go on. She had something break, break loose and that encouragement could have just encouraged her a little more to keep on going to that breakthrough. We need to be a church of encouragers, right? I'm going to encourage you. You look beautiful today. Guess what? I'm proud of you that you're here on Father's Day. I'm grateful for you. I'm proud that you're going to make it, that you're going to win, whatever you're walking through, that health issue, whatever it is, we're going to pray for it and we're going to believe. We're in this together. We need to encourage one another. That's why the body of believers is so critical, because we're encourage one another when someone's down. When someone's sad, when someone needs an encouragement, when someone needs a hug, when someone needs a pat on the back. We celebrate victories, but we pray when there's when there's problems. We're on our knees together. We got to be an encouraging culture. Amen. Deuteronomy 31:7. Moses said encouragement to Joshua. It says, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land, uh, into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them and you must divide it among them. He's encouraging them, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Friend, be strong and courageous in the moment that you're that you're feeling weak right now. Be strong and courageous when you're struggling. Be strong and courageous for I see you, says the Lord Almighty. I'm with you. Be encouraging just like Moses. Be encouraged that we can read a passage of Scripture and said, be strong and courageous. Your land is in front of you. You just have to keep going. you got to go back to number one and being faithful. These all play into one another. And then last but not least, role model. Role model. Faithful. Action. Teacher. Holy. Encouraging and a role model. We might be good at times, or we might feel subpar as a role model. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. But one thing I will say to you is the fact that we're looking for dads, and not just dad, but people, to be role models for our kids, to be role models to our co-workers. I love what the parentes say and what Alice said on that video for Mexico. She invited other people from her job to come on our Mexico missions trip. Why? Because she was being a role model. She's saying, I've experienced life transformation on this trip and you can too. Guess what? She decided that it wasn't good enough just to sit on the sidelines, she got in the game. She was a role model. We need to be role model as people. We need to be role models in our sphere of influence for everyone is looking for that. First Corinthians 11.1 says it like this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul is saying, I'm a role model. Follow me, church. I might not get it right all the time, but follow me as I follow the church, or as I follow God. I'm going to pull you with me. Men, follow God and pull your kids with you. There's a reason God gave us broad shoulders. It's so we can carry the load and keep on going. So we can take one step in front of the other when your spouse can't take another step. When your kids are, are just struggling personally. It's so you can say, you know what? I'm with you, son. I'm with you, daughter. Let's keep this going. It's so those co-workers that are struggling every day that you can say, I believe you're going to get through it. We have to be those people, men. I would like all the men to stand on their feet.